1: Amazon Web Services has a timely reminder. Check your cloud's configuration. Hacks now seem to affect revenue for years. A rundown of some new threats and vulnerabilities. We've got some insights into the criminal carding market and the training it offers. We've got some patch news. And forget about Mayweather McGregor. The pay-per-view we'd sign up for is Putin Wittes. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire Summary for Thursday, July 20th, 2017. Amazon Web Services has sent its customers a reminder that access control lists, those are ACLs, well, they govern who can see the content of their S3 buckets, and that they should look at their buckets to ensure that public read access is enabled only where it's supposed to be. Misconfiguration, often by third parties, has hit data held by large organizations hard this summer, But AWS wants customers to remember that protecting information from inadvertent exposure isn't that hard. So, an S3 bucket isn't exactly a set-it-and-forget-it Ronco toaster oven, but really, it's not that complicated. TalkTalk's revenues declined in the first quarter, and analysts attribute this in large measure to the breach the telco sustained in 2015. This report suggests effects of cyber attacks can linger, a lesson worth considering in the wake of NotPetya, particularly with respect to its effects on shipping and manufacturing. TalkTalk, whose breach is nearly two years old, is still suffering. It reported a 3.2 percent slip in revenue in the first quarter this year. Its CEO at the time of the incident was Baroness Dido Harding, who left her job at the beginning of April. The proximate cause of the revenue decline is given as recontracting consumer customers to new, lower cost, fixed rate plans. Some new threats and vulnerabilities are worth a mention. Malformed Windows MSI files are now known to infect Linux systems, too. Researchers call the vulnerability bad taste. CyberArk's Red Team reports a form of domain fronting that can mask attackers' command and control traffic. It abuses content delivery networks and high-traffic domains. Domain fronting uses different domain names at different layers of communication. The technique, CyberArk says, is in use in the wild and can be applied to highly targeted attacks. As fears of election hacking persist, the Dark Hotel APT Group appears ready to offer a fresh approach to political hacking. The online gang uses whaling, digital certificate factoring, and Inexmar malware in its attacks. In the second cryptocurrency heist reported this week, a hacker stole Ethereum currency worth approximately $30 million by exploiting a vulnerability in a Parity wallet. Parity is working on a fix. This is a distinct attack from the one CoinDash reported earlier this week in the course of its initial token offering. Komodo, the New Jersey-based security firm, warns of a new kind of fish bait being used by criminals in the wild. It's a continuation of the long-running trend of fishing growing more clever and more tightly targeted, almost to the point of spear phishing. This new approach presents the phishing email as a response to an earlier request for information by the victim. Most of the intended marks of the technique are in the US, but the approach has been seen in at least twenty other countries. Taking a quick look at our cyberwire event tracker. If you're headed to Black hat, don't miss Deep Instinct at booth eight seventy three Besides, Las Vegas is happening july twenty fifth and twenty sixth. You don't want to miss that. clearjobs.net is having a cyber Texas job fair on August first. There are cybersecurity summits coming up in Chicago on August 8th and New York on September 15th. And the 8th Annual Billington Cybersecurity Summit is coming up September 13th, 2017 in Washington, D.C. You can find all the details and find out how to list your event on our CyberWire event tracker at thecyberwire.com. Cybersecurity is, of course, a rapidly growing industry, attracting innovation and investment. And with that comes a desire by the states to attract and nurture cybersecurity companies, with the high-paying jobs and highly educated people that come with them. Chris Encey is Chief Operating Officer at Dunbar Cybersecurity, and he also co-chairs the Governor's Workforce Development Board Cybersecurity Task Force for the state of Maryland. I asked him about what it takes for states to compete in a hot cybersecurity market. So, you know, you are a Maryland company, as are we here at the CyberWire, and so we have a certain amount of pride of our, of our local uh, accomplishments and, and so forth. And, but I'm curious, you know, when you look at the, the bigger picture of, of any individual state, when a state tries to compete for cybersecurity dollars, uh, for cybersecurity workforce, what are the kinds of things that states have to take stock of and, and look toward in terms of investments and being able to attract organizations and people? So I think
2: the resources that they have in terms of the workforce are oftentimes going to be looked at as one of the lifebloods of any thriving business in this this industry. They have to look at, do we have the resources? Are we developing the right talent skill sets? And can we keep those talented people in the state? So I think Maryland is in a unique position because of our geography almost to retain a lot of localized talent. We've got Obviously, the influences of the Department of Defense and the intel agencies, Washington, D.C., co-located right next to us. Also a growing set of commercial entities that are are focused on opportunities here and and beyond. There's a lot of really interesting things happening locally in terms of incubators, startups, um, new technology that's emerging, that's coming either out of uh, government programs, institutions, and the academic community. Or even just homegrown things that have emerged that are starting to take a national and even a global footprint. That said, I don't want to over sugarcoat it either. I think there's a lot of things we still have to do to take a seat at the table of the best states in the United States uh, that are focused and in, in have resources for
1: cybersecurity. What are some of the areas where you think a state like Maryland needs to improve?
2: Well, I I think while we've built out some great companies and we've taken a definite noticeable position in the U.S. as a a source of cybersecurity talent, mainly due to the fact that we have the federal influence and the centers of excellence here from a security perspective, I think that if you look at the overall ecosystem that's out there of, of producers of cybersecurity services and products and technology, we would fall kind of far down the list. One of the areas I think that limits Maryland in a sense is that sometimes we do have a, a myopic focus on the Department of Defense contractors and uh, the type of work that goes into that sector. And I think that at times can do, can maybe detract a little bit from the opportunities that are out there to build global products and solutions that make uh, their mark in terms of the state's place in the competitive landscape of, of companies that are out there One of the things I'm always critical of in the state of Maryland when I look at all these different activities that are going on and different business development initiatives and training programs and grant programs that people are contemplating is that what are we doing to put all those pieces together? And I think in general, I see a lot of overlapping initiatives. I see a lot of competing interests almost. And I think that's holding us back to a degree. Uh, We haven't quite cracked the code on how do we make it so that we're bringing more opportunities to the state at mass scale using every resource we have in conjunction to make it happen as as explosively as possible.
1: That's Chris Enzi from Dunbar Cybersecurity. There have been some more patches this week. Apple has issued patches for macOS, iOS, and Safari, and Oracle has fixed 386 vulnerabilities in its products. Many of Oracle's issues were discovered and reported by security vendor Onapsis. Finally, we're noticing a couple of things these days. First, we're aware that Mayweather and McGregor are holding a round of really interesting joint press conferences in the run-up to their middleweight title bout, as our sports desk keeps telling us. And remember back in the 80s when it was morning in America... Our Heartland desk does, and they remind us that a candidate for governor of Texas challenged Libyan strongman Muammar Gaddafi to a duel to the death in a cabin cruiser on the line of death that Colonel Gaddafi drew across the mouth of the Gulf of Sidra. The chosen weapon was Bowie Knives. It didn't happen, as far as we know, and the challenger lost the election, but his spirit lives on. We're thinking that spirit lives on in particular over at Lawfare, a blog we often read with interest on cyber-legal and cyber-policy issues. President Vladimir Putin is a noted martial artist, but the editor of Lawfare, Benjamin Wittes, thinks he's a chump ripe for the dropping. I'll fight Putin any time, any place he can't have me arrested, the extreme editor said back in October 2015. But we think the time is finally right for it now. If the editor can pull it off... And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Dale Drew. He's the chief security officer at Level 3 Communications. Uh, Dale, welcome back. You had an important point to, to make today, and that was that as, as some, we see the evolution of some of these, these threats, you're seeing that uh, ISPs have some specific responsibilities, and those responsibilities may be growing.
0: Yeah, I, I, absolutely. You know, and what, I, what I'd say is you know, what, what we're seeing is we're seeing threats becoming much more global much more often. We're seeing threats that, that uh, the bad guys want to take advantage of the, these sort of deep entrenched and deep rooted protocols and systems that have large scale impacts across the entire net. And again, you know WannaCry is a really good example of of a single exposure that has a significant sort of global impact. Today, we rely on, on a very specific set of community members within the security community uh, who are analyzing malware at, at the application layer. Uh, to be able to be the eyes and ears for that sort of uh, global uh, uh, problem. And what I'd say is the ISPs are in a very, very unique position to not only be able to detect those exposures, uh, but be able to stop those exposures and then collaborate across networks to be able to get as close to the edge of the bad guy as you possibly can to stop it and figure out where the fingers and the keyboard are. If you look at, uh, you know, Level 3 as an example, we are a huge proponent of something called DOTS, which is the DDoS Open uh, Threat Signaling Protocol. Now, that protocol is originally being established to help uh, be able to communicate about DDoS attacks across ISPs to be able to stop DDoS attacks quickly. But it's more of a signaling protocol on threats, and so you expand a protocol like that to be threat-based, you can push phishing attacks and malware attacks and DOS attacks Across the entire network e- uh, ecosystem, and eventually the entire security ecosystem, to be able to stop uh, threats, the ISP could also be uh, shutting down command and control systems. Um, you know, we do this once every two hours. We we find C2s that have significant influence in uh, the industry, and we we uh, block the C2. And now ISPs, they're very concerned about blocking uh, Internet addresses because they don't know the other purpose that that IP address serves. So they tend to be a little gun-shy on that. And I think it's time that we start leaning into this problem a lot more.
1: Are you seeing the adoption of these kinds of uh, techniques by ISPs? Is, Is that collaboration happening? Are people getting on board?
0: I think today when the threat level reaches a certain saturation point that the community comes together and tries to solve it. But it takes a global event right now for us to be able to do that. And you know that, that capacity, that capacity for the entire ecosystem to work together at once is there. That apparatus is available. And I think that we need to get a lot more proactive in being able to stop these threats uh, before they become global problems and use that entire ecosystem apparatus to make it much more difficult for the bad guy to operate. Dale Drew,
1: thanks for joining us.